0: Welcome to the Deep Collaboration Podcast. In this series, we talk to people who are leading the way and making working together smarter and more productive. With me today, I've got Flor Drees, Senior Program Manager at Microsoft and Serial Conference Organizer. Welcome to the shore, Flor.
1: Thank you. Hi, Don. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right.
0: How are you? <laughs> I'm just fine.
1: Just fine. Uh,
0: just fine. We have sunny weather here in Amsterdam. I'm sure it's just as sunny in Rotterdam. Totally. So tell us a little bit about what you do at Microsoft. What does is, what is being a senior program manager mean?
1: Yeah, so I work in the developer relations uh, organization within uh, Microsoft. I work really closely together with some of our cloud advocates uh, who are basically developer advocates, but of course Microsoft has to give them another name than developer advocate because that's old. And uh work very much on on educational content trying to uh, upskill developers or technical audience uh, onto our product. Sweet. And what I think is uh, developer relations uh, for me and also at Microsoft is uh, really being an advocate both internally and externally. So I listen, uh, I try to listen very carefully to the community externally and to users um, in our support channels and figuring out What are some of the trends or uh, gaps maybe in our product offering or in our documentation and our content um, and try and, 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 you know, rally people around filling those gaps and making sure that uh, we're, we're offering all that we can, um, and empowering developers or technical, uh, folks by doing so. I'm also pretty, uh, involved with product launches and launch events. Uh, so making sure that those hit the right audience, that they, they get the right viewers, um, and also have the right follow up. And at a previous company, I've also helped uh, writing release notes uh, and focusing more on sort of the problems that were solved with a particular release, not necessarily exactly what has changed. Um, and so I'm trying to really be the bridge between people that use our products and services um, and uh, the product teams and documentation teams inside.
0: Oh, very nice. And so... You've helped organize a number of conferences over the years, including Udoco I- 2019 and, and Rotterdam and-, and RosConf. How does this connect up to the, to the work that you do at Microsoft?
1: Um, so you mentioned two Ruby conferences, and they don't match up necessarily to the work I do at Microsoft, because Ruby is not necessarily a first-class citizen for Microsoft, un- unless something goes wrong, which happened the other day. It- probably heard about it. Uh but uh there's there's other conferences that definitely do fit into uh uh sort of like have some overlap uh with uh, uh Microsoft communities and and Microsoft goals. So I also organize conferences like uh DevOps Days and I've been involved with serverless days and uh, those are definitely topics that uh that have some sort of like some overlap with what Microsoft is interested in. And then still uh I was also totally allowed to uh spend work hours on uh on Noruko and on uh Rosconf. Noruco was also a uh a... Noruco is like oh this year was pandemic and so there is no Yoruko. Lovely play of words <laughs> uh but that also helps uh, helps uh sort of figuring out how to move online and do so in a sort of profession. Uh, manner and so, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of conferences that have a bit of an overlap and I can bring maybe Microsoft speakers or, uh, I can, uh, you know, be, be active in the booth or make sure that people, you know, like at least see Microsoft show up, uh, to these things and consistently show up to these things. Uh, but also really be in the conference itself and figure out what are things that people are asking questions about to speakers or what are, like, what are some of the topics that are apparently like really interesting for for participants and bring those insights back to the to the company uh, also secretly looking at what are the competitors uh doing like is is google rocking up to this thing uh and if so like what are they what kind of experience are they offering um and what do we see as the response to to them offering that experience and seeing what we can uh you know what what we can distill from that so that's uh that's how i'm involved in, in conferences uh from like a, the perspective of, of you know, working at Microsoft, but uh, I've always uh, organized a lot of tech conferences. I think that's, that's how I went into like a whole, the whole sort of developer relations profession uh, is that I just, as a person, really enjoy <laughs> interacting with other people, learning from other people um, and giving people that I think are really smart and have something to say, a, a platform to do so. So that, those are like my driving forces for being involved in, in organizing a lot of conferences, whether or not they, uh, they overlap with what my business objectives are.
0: Right. Yeah, you, you mentioned that the conferences are uh, an opportunity for for interactivity, right? And I think many of the best conferences that I've been to are those that, that sort of facilitate interaction among the, the participants of the conference and aren't just like a, a vehicle for for, for a, a lecture to an audience, right? What, what does it take to make a conference feel really interactive and provide that kind of value to the attendees?
1: <laughs> yes. So indeed, like, you don't want to just listen to someone do a, you know, do a talk and have, I don't know how many slides that they go through. Um, but those can be the sort of spark for a conversation afterwards. So that usually already starts in the Q and A. So if you can have a Q and A, that, that, that always helps. Uh, but then there's always people, of course, that don't like raising their hands and actually like asking a speaker a question, maybe they are a little bit, you know, they are a little bit starstruck in some cases, if you have like a really uh, 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 big name on, on stage. Um, so any way to facilitate that discussion later. So, um, we've done like, uh, while the next talk is on the speaker moves to another room and you can approach the speaker there. So you're a little bit in a low, lower, lower key setting, uh, to ask your question. Um, but also have uh, maybe a discussion round or have a talk be the sort of intro to a fishbowl this discussion so that everybody can uh, join on stage if they have something to say or have that be the start of a panel discussion and people will always take if there is a if there is a room to do so, they will take the, the 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 things that they've just learned about or just heard about and take it to the hallway. That's the famous hallway track uh, that we we all know and love so much, um, and have discussions there. So you will want to make sure that there is a room where people can just chat. Uh, and they don't have to be quiet because there's a talk going on at the same time. So if that can be sort of separated rooms that that's good, <laughs> that's good. Another thing that really helps is having uh, a good moderator who collects some of those questions, but m- might also be some, just someone who intrinsically asks a lot of questions and have them sort of uh, anticipate uh, what kind of questions people might have and might not necessarily ask. So there's also just a lot of people that. Will not never will have questions, but we will never ask them. And if you can can anticipate them a little bit, and you can read the room a little bit, uh, you you can feel a lot of that uh, that stuff.
0: And of course, it helps. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, total sense. It helped that at uh, Uruko twenty nineteen, you can find us all to a ship.
1: Yes, and there was no way of getting off the ship. <laughs> That's not well, there, true. <laughs> there was,
0: of course, but it's isolated, like in the in the, the very quiet end of, of Rotterdam. So there wasn't really any place, well, there were places to go, but yeah, so. I mean,
1: that is something that you see in some of the larger conferences that are in the center of Amsterdam, right? You lose people just because they will mm-hmm. they walk uh, out the door and, and they're gone. <laughs> um And so uh, there's some probably something to say for a little bit more remote places, but also just, I think it was just a really interesting setting and a little, a really interesting place. Um, and so people also really uh sort of came for that experience right of being uh, being on a ship uh like how often have you been on a ship for a conference like not tell times. me how often
0: <laughs> uh w- once
1: once just the once
0: just once um <laughs> not a habitual cruise taker myself although that cruise didn't actually leave port which no, which is it didn't
1: but it felt like it didn't it at times at times
0: it did for me so how how has all of this changed now in the in this post post covid world right where we, we can't just get on a ship and have a conference anymore. Like how is this made how, how is it what challenges has this presented for you as a conference organizer and like how, how have you seen hmm. um, interesting ways to overcome these challenges and attempt to recreate some of these these features you just talked about?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, obviously a lot changed. I think a lot of people are sad for it, but I do think that virtual conferences offer a lot of opportunities as well. Yeah, you lose a lot of the, the things that you have in person and a hallway track is incredibly difficult to, to sort of translate to online, but it also presents a lot of new opportunities, I, I feel like. <laughs> so I have loved in the last year or so the different <laughs> experiments. Um, so I thought the Deserted Island DevOps conference in Animal Crossing, for instance, uh, was a hilarious experiment. I, I don't know <laughs> how much content people t- took away from it, but I thought it was a, a really clever way to try and solve a problem for that audience. And I also think that we should not always take ourselves too seriously. So this was a good uh a good way to say like, well, we're all in this together. Like it totally, I wanted to say something bad, but it's not great, <laughs> And uh, but we're trying to make something, you know, some something positive out of it. Um, and this is our way to do that. Um, and for DevOps Days Amsterdam, which is so, uh, I'm an uh, organizer for DevOps Days since uh, two years. And for this year, we're looking at some ways to um, sort of have that, have, have participants be more visible as well, if they wish to, to do so and not have the last year, uh, I think from, like judging by the situation we were all in, I think we'd done a, a good job in translating DevOps days to, uh, to online. We worked with different tracks we worked with different moderators we tried to bring the open spaces element to well bring that online uh that proved to be really hard like um, we were definitely we didn't put the love in it that we would normally do uh especially seeing that open spaces is like a integral and vital part of of devops DevOps, space and it's very much about putting people that care about a topic in the same room and having them you know discuss and, and create value together and so we're uh, we're actively looking for a platform where we can try and mimic as much as possible of that in person open space uh, online what i've seen is a lot of people are just like struggling and fi- trying to find ways to to do some of the translation opportunity wise i think uh, it's become a no-brainer to do recordings of sessions and release those. Because, I mean, we're already, you know, like we're already here, we're already streaming. So we have the recording already and uh, it's been much easier to release tho- those things and much quicker to release those things so that people can watch on demand if they want to. Because, you know, the conference took place in a at a time that is not uh, like really time-zone friendly for them or they were doing something else. Like that's, uh, you know, so I like that it's been become more, Freely accessible for people to to uh, playback uh, talks and so on. In in my little bubble, we've been experimenting with sort of studio hubs. Uh, so we would put the moderators or hosts or MCs or however you call them in one room together, of course, like limited to the amount of people that we could have in one location and have them present as, as it would be, you know, like as it would be CNN. (laughs) So there would be two moderators, two hosts, uh, talking to each other, um, and introducing the next speaker and the next speaker would call in, uh, and would appear appear on the screen and then we would switch switch to the speaker speaker would do their, 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 uh, talk host would collect like questions from the audience and would relay the questions from the audience to the to the speaker we would have a little bit of a conversation um so it wouldn't not only be the here's a talk and here's a talk and here's a talk we're trying to you know like at least uh, relay some of the the thing the things that the comments or the questions from the audience to the speaker and have a little bit of a live not rehearsed element to it. And I also want to touch on the incredible work that one of my colleagues has done making events more accessible. Hank Buhlmann has created an event page, uh, sort of platform that is, that is fully accessible and also we have uh, added, or we have used. Azure Media Services to do captioning for for our events, for our community events. So if the, we didn't have a lot of budget, because that still costs a little bit of money because it's a VM and everything, uh, but do captioning for those events. And whenever we could get uh, uh, a little bit of budget to add uh, live captioning or uh, sign language interpretation for these events, and also experimenting with with you know like uh, where in the screen should be the sign language interpreter, how big should that screen be. It is like very, it's very intense work. So they need to switch like every 15 minutes, I believe. And so how to do that switch and how to figure out like who from that team, because you need a team of interpreters if you do so, how, how to make that switch, how they can signal that, you know, they were, they need a little break. That's been, that's been incredibly interesting. And I love the investment that we've done there with different camera setups and everything. And it's been, that's been super interesting also great for some of the conference locations that had a lot less business, of course, last, you know, over the last year, um, and now had a way to, um, in some cases offer their services of doing the live streaming, taking on the live streaming for, uh, for instance, but also having that location with a, you know, like a nice couch and a, a coffee table, uh, making it look a little bit more homey, like you are you know, you're streaming into someone's home. Uh, and, uh, that I, I feel like that has worked really well. What else do I want to mention? I totally want to mention that my colleague Nitja and I have also fought for getting uh, closed captions for the, uh, for the global diversity CFP day, uh, streams. I think that's uh, super valuable. I, I mean, I, I love that event and that initiative anyway. Uh, but being able to make it accessible for even more people, you know, I'm super proud that we, uh, we pulled pull that off. I, I love that, that just. Uh, you know, virtual events have been, there's been a huge opportunity to make events more accessible. I love all of the work that we've put in, in there. Uh, and I really, really sincerely hope that we can bring that uh, to our in-person events if and when we go to in-person again, or if we go to uh, hybrid events where part of it is online and part of it takes place and watch parties all over the world, for instance.
0: Do you think being online has has facilitated making them accessible? Is is, is it just the the tooling is a lot better when you're doing it virtually?
1: I think we just thought about it in a different way because we didn't think about existing communities that we're already interacting with and we see coming to our user groups already uh, because you know them uh, and you know their needs, uh, right? And so, for instance, I'm also part of the Amsterdam Ruby uh, meetup group. Uh, We never really thought about having our events be Wheelchair accessible until we had a community member who requested that, right? Who, who needed that, um, and then suddenly, like, you start thinking about uh, your events differently. And so, when you're going location scouting, that is like the first thing you look at. And I think similarly for for online events, because the audience or the the participants were were suddenly different from the ones that you were seeing uh, at your in-person events. Uh, you were you were, you. Were, I don't know. I, I feel like. At least my brain changed a little bit in a way where it's like anyone could attend right now, but could they really? And and so then you start thinking about okay, so so maybe they can't hear very well, or maybe we need the transcript because the live stream is like really bad, and uh, or or the audio isn't great. Uh, there's all of these situational aspects to it as well. So I think just thinking about the audience being different and wider, and you know like. A, Possibly much broader. Uh, also makes you think about what they might need. Those needs are different from from your in-person. Uh, audience
0: that you know very well. So I, I, I imagine that this is going to have a, a lasting impact on the the way that you organize conferences in the future.
1: For for me, yes, I, I think uh, uh, asking for for a budget for captions or interpretation is going in there for sure. So we already had uh, sort of diversity scholarships for a lot of the conferences that I uh, that I you know uh, work on, so that people that maybe can't afford a ticket and can't afford to, to travel to, I don't know, Amsterdam uh, for a conference so that they, that we can support them and they can still come to the conference and learn and network and interact with other people. Because I feel like that's what conferences are for and that should be accessible to anyone. Um, so we already had the diversity scholarships, but that only takes care of a certain you know, like that takes care of people that can, you know, can still travel. If they're supported, they can still travel. But now, I would love to uh, make it as uh, make it so that also people that can't travel or, you know, for 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 whatever reason, can also access uh, uh, the conference and and the content and the network that it brings, the people that it brings, and so that it's not only accessible to, to the people that. You know, happen to live in Amsterdam on a tech budget uh, because that's a really small set of uh, uh, the people that actually work on the technology that uh, you know drives our world every day. Uh, So it'd be be great if everybody could be could be involved. Uh, in some way or at least have access to the to the information. so that's definitely something that I that should be in my idea front and central to the conference because that's what a conference is about um, and so getting getting that funded by sponsorship or any other way uh, is is definitely something that I will take to uh, when we'll have in-person events again. I really hope that that experience is also up to par with the in-person experience. Uh, I think some conferences have done a live stream in the past, but it would only be like the stream and there's no way for people that that watch the stream to also interact uh, or get their questions in or whatever. So I would love to... Uh, think about ways to make sure that uh, even if we go back to in-person events, or, or when we go back to in-person events, because people crave for it, uh, so there's no avoiding it, that we at least take a lot of those those lessons and uh, and make sure that the remote experience is uh, is not treated as an afterthought, but is really like well thought through.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. What other ways do you do you see conferences changing as we begin to return to the possibility of meeting again in person?
1: <laughs> I think there will be a lot of extra attention to safety because a lot of people will not feel great or entirely safe just yet. Uh, I'm hearing from a lot of um, uh, folks that they uh, uh, intend to wear masks for the coming years, whenever there's a large mass of people, uh, I mean, it will be incredibly awkward, no? Like the first time that you, you step into another big conference and, and, and big starting at, I don't know, like 300 people. I already feel awkward here when, you know, like there's a, there's a big group of people, even if they're all wearing masks and they're outside and still like, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so it will be Really weird in the beginning. And I think, uh, we need to accommodate for people to feel comfortable when they're, uh, when they're visiting, uh, the, these big events. And so as, co- as conference organizers, I think we're even more responsible, uh, than we already were for, for making people feel safe.
0: Yeah. Now I'm starting to wonder now, are, are, um, ventilation checks going to be part of the, the standard procedure <laughs> for scouting a site, right?
1: Yeah. Well, who knows, right? That's a good one. I like that one. Are there going to be like the hand sanitizers on every, like, you know, standing table, uh, th- throughout the conference? Could be, Maybe I don't know.
0: providing, uh, branded paper face masks for attendees who, uh, lost theirs somewhere along the way or dropped
1: Could be, it, right? I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I don't know. Like, how are we gonna are we gonna clean the microphone from you know from one speaker to another? I mean, I think we should do that anyway because it's kind of gross. No, if you think about it, like we were kind of gross. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm probably spitting all over this one.
1: <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, if we think about it, I think we were, you know, uh, we were kind of gross. And I do remember also, like, uh, I've been to a lot of the Chaos Computer Club uh conferences uh in the past and i do remember that part of the sort of onboarding emails or you know like uh pre-conference emails included that uh people should shower every day and they should like wash their hands regularly and uh you know like
0: if, using uh, soap ideally this is the netherlands
1: <laughs> and uh i thought if we so thinking back like if we were already like nudging people to do that or reminding people to do that because we thought they weren't which well okay how are, are you know pre-conference emails going to look like right now that, that that'd be interesting and those CCC conferences, I mean, there were really massive. I, I don't even like. I don't even want to put a number to it, but like four thousand people in in uh, in one room. There is the the you know like the idea of hacker pest. So you you will want to take care because you you might get sick at a conference like that. And that was only like a very very mild concern back then, right? And now it will be a concern that is on everyone's mind. And uh, so that might look very different.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember how many times in the past I've caught conference cold. Yes, conference That's cold totally is a better, better
1: word than hacker pest. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, hacker 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 pest. Yes, that sounds awful. Yeah, <laughs> it does like sound conference awful. conference cold better. I
1: don't want to, I don't want to get that. I don't want to catch that.
0: No, 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 no. And the, the open buffet is probably done for.
1: Oh, anyway, also gross. Ugh.
0: Yeah, that was al- already kind of a little weird oh, floor. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on the show. Um, thank you. And thank you for all of the the kind insights that you've shared with us on um, um, organizing conferences and the way that things have changed and uh, your, your views on how things are going in the future. And to our listeners, thank you for, for listening to our podcast. Um, we're going to drop some links uh, to the things that Flora shared with us, uh, so be sure to check those out below.